UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Missouri allowed the first dispensaries to begin selling recreational marijuana this past Friday. We'll hear how that scene was on that first day and the reactions of Kansas Cityans. We'll also get an update on the expungement process that was included in the constitutional amendment that Missouri voters approved last year. We'll also ask about those incarcerated for marijuana offenses and how they might be helped. We're joined first by KCUR's Carlos Moreno, who was out and about on Friday checking uh, out dispensaries on the first day of recreational marijuana sales in Missouri. Carlos, nice to have you. Hey, Welcome. Good morning, Steve. Thanks. How did it go on Friday and over the weekend at dispensaries around the Kansas City metro? What'd you pick up? Oh, there were a lot of smiling faces, <laughs> a lot of really happy people, and uh-huh. certainly on both sides. Uh, certainly the dispensary owners and, and customers were all smiles, and uh, people seemed to be having a lot of fun. The dispensary owners, you know, were caught a little off guard. Off guard by? Uh, because they, they were expecting Monday to, to start their full sales operations, and then they were alerted uh, sometime Thursday that they could be approved to, to convert their, their medical licensing over to recreational marijuana sales as well wow. and start selling on as soon as Friday. And so, did word get out to the general public? Uh, and that was, that was interesting because the, the general public sort of knew about this, but what turned out to be kind of funny is that as Friday wore on, more people would go to work and they would hear and uh-huh. get social media notifications. Their friends would start calling and say, hey, did you hear? So there were certainly lines already Friday morning. People had been paying attention and were keeping an eye on it. And there were some people lined up early Friday morning. But as the day wore on, places got busier and busier. Where did you go on Friday to check out what was happening? I visited a couple of different locations. I went to Fresh Green here in Brookside, and then I went to uh, Blue Ridge Boulevard in, in Kansas, way on the edge, uh, to Good Day Farm. And uh, both places were very busy, uh, just early Friday morning already. Uh, able to talk to any owners, and what, what were they saying? Yeah, you know, I talked with uh, Bianca Sullivan at Fresh Green here in Brookside, and they own two facilities, one in Lee Summit, one here in Brookside. And, and she was very happy, very excited, but again, so she's scrambling, still kind of putting it together. She sits on the Mo- on MoCam, which is a trade industry, and even she said, we had no idea they were going to do this on Thursday, make this announcement on Thursday. So they were, you know, she said we were prepared, mostly. They're still ramping up with staff, still trying to get their facilities in order, and making sure they had enough product. You I know, was going to say, were they able to stock up in time? I think everyone had already been ready. Bianca said, you know, she, she had hoped to do a slow roll through the weekend, try to get things ready this week. But she, they, no one has reported having trouble with their supply. Everyone seems to have stocked up pretty well in anticipation of this. Do they expect the traffic to slow down, Carlos, or do they think <laughs> the excitement's going to continue here for a while? No, they were even uh, last night. I, I was, I heard that, or Saturday night rather, I was reported that. Up to closing time, there were several places that were just packed still. And I know this morning I talked to someone in, in, in Lee Summit at a different dispensary, uh, 3rd Street Dispensary, and she said, yeah, it's still busy. It's still crazy. Uh, and she expected to slowly trickle down to a more calm pace. But they're all asking, uh, and she said everyone's been very patient. They're asking their customers, be, especially their medical cannabis customers, yeah. who had been accustomed to coming in at a much slower pace and, and be able to be serviced pretty readily. And now she says everyone's going to have to be a little more patient because now you've got the, mechanic, uh, the medical 
people and the recreational people. I bumped into a buddy who uh, knew someone who was out of the dispensary, 135th and State Line, somewhere in that neighborhood, and said last night at 10 minutes to 10 before closing time, it was packed. Yeah, exactly. And, you and know. people are just so excited and thrilled. Uh, and one uh, dispensary owner said, you know, people have been waiting since the 60s and the 70s for this day. They can wait just a few minutes longer if they're, you know, Would patient. you pick up any trends in terms of what customers were looking for? You know, I asked that. I specifically said, you know, what are people buying? What are people asking for? And everyone just kind of shrugged their shoulders. And they said, it's too early to tell. The, the few customers I did have a chance to talk with, and that's a funny story, too. Uh, there, It seemed like vaping and, and gummies are are very popular right now, but hmm. some of the customers are still a little shy, a little hesitant to admit that they're coming in and buying product. Uh, several asked me not to use their name. <laughs> several, they're still you know, a little concerned. But one one person I did talk to, a very nice young lady uh, from independent uh, from Kansas City, she said, "I'm so excited because I can finally not feel ashamed or not feel nervous when I come and buy some and take it home and, and use it." So she was excited. That's KCUR's Carlos Moreno. Carlos, thanks for the update. I appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure, Steve. Now let's take a look at the expungement process and what Missourians can expect on that front. Already the state has granted more than 5,200 expungements across the state, including more than 1,300 in Clay County, which apparently leads the state as of the last recording. Joining us now are Ellen Suni, Dean and Professor Emerita at the UMKC School of Law and Director of the UMKC School of Law Expungement Clinic. She's also the co director of the Clear My Record Expungement Project. Ellen, it's good to see you again. Welcome back. You as well. Sydney Ragsdale is also here. She's a fellow at the Clear My Record Expungement Project and Clinic in Kansas City. Sydney, nice to have you too. Welcome. Hi, thanks for having us. I'm guessing, uh, Ellen, that you guys are busy these days. Yes, uh, we are. How but busy? We're always busy. <laughs> How busy are is, is things have certainly have picked up because of the new state law on marijuana. For the most part, they've picked up with phone calls. Uh, mm-hmm. People interested in should they apply now or you know what should they do? Should they apply now? It depends, <laughs> um, and well, Sydney can talk well, more. Lawyers always that. say it depends, Alan. Well, it, law professors yeah. always say <laughs> it depends, but Sydney has been talking to more of those people, and I'll defer to her on that one. Should people apply now for expungement, Sydney? Well, for people who have older records um, where they've completed their supervision and, um, and and it's an old record and they're no longer on probation or incarcerated, um, those should be done automatically. They shouldn't need to apply for anything. Ah. Um, that's what the Constitution says. Now, do we know that, that is that happening? Um, a little bit, a little um, in, bit. in uh, 5,200 cases or so, but there are a lot more records out there, and there are a lot of people wondering if they need to do anything. Um, under the language of the Constitution, they don't need to do anything. It should all be done for them. For misdemeanors, that should happen within uh, six months, so that'll be June 8th. And for felonies, it should happen within a year, and that would be December 8th of this year. And it does exclude a few uh, types of offenses, ones that involve violence, uh, mm-hmm. driving under the influence of marijuana, and distribution or delivery to a minor. Um, but there is no amount uh, limit on what will be expunged. How hopeful are you that those deadlines, in fact, are going to be met? Um Big pause, duly noted. <laughs> yes. That's called a pregnant pause there. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it will be challenging, um, but some counties are are fast and hard at work right now, like Clay County. They've gotten over a 1,000 expungements already, and yeah. those are all early. So um, kudos to Clay County. 
Uh, I don't know what their secret is and, and why they're able to do that so fast right now, but I might suspect that um, they're getting some of the easier easier ones out of the way, the ones that have been digitized. A lot of records have not and are still in a paper format. Right, right. And, um, you know, some people have records from 30, 40 years ago that are still hurting and impacting their life. We'll be right back. You know, Ellen, I'm wondering what your perspective is on this. Should people be hopeful that these uh, deadlines the state is facing to expunge these records will be met? Realistically, I doubt that all of them will be met. I think um, we're assuming because um, it doesn't make sense in our view, given the, the strong policy statement of really getting rid of all of this, we're assuming that municipal court, like here, you know, Kansas City Municipal Court, um, that the records in the municipal courts, which are ordinance violations generally that relate to marijuana, are also going to be expungible. And they, that's where we think the biggest challenge will come, hmm. because Missouri doesn't Missouri has a centralized state court system, but it doesn't have a centralized record system at the moment. Mm -hmm. So for years, the municipal courts have largely been keeping their own records. And that's a problem because... There's not communication between the two systems? Right. There's not communication and... The quality of the record keeping mm -hmm. with part-time judges and part-time prosecutors and everything is not what it is at the state level. You know, Sidney Ragsdale, how much confusion is there around the state about this expungement process and how it works? Because I'm guessing, based on what I'm hearing this morning, that there's a whole lot. Yes, there is a whole lot of confusion. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the Missouri Supreme Court probably needs to help clear that up um, since they're kind of at the top of the pyramid in terms what of authority. What could the court do right now? Um, they could issue uh, some sort of rules that would, uh, you know, let people know exactly how they should be operating. Um, they, I think they need to do this because uh, people are not habituated to reading the Constitution. And so the courts are kind of just going off of what they already know, which is um, – expungements under the statute 610140, mm -hmm. which has a very different process. And so we're seeing that the process being applied is is not what the Constitution actually says at all. And, um, and the expungements that are getting through, they're not being expunged the way they're supposed to be. The mm -hmm. order actually says that these files shall be maintained as confidential records, and that is not what the Constitution says at all. It says expunged. They're supposed to be destroyed other than for a special index that the court keeps for research purposes. So Ellen Suny, uh, again, at the UMKC School of Law, uh, a Meritai professor now, you know, what should someone do who's thinking about this process? They might have something on their record what, what's, what's the process? What needs to happen here? Well, if they're incarcerated, currently incarcerated, they do have to petition. They're the one group that has to petition. They, they petition who? They petition, it looks like they petition the sentencing court, the place that they were convicted. Now, it's very unclear, for example, with a municipal court, because on normal expungements, municipal courts have no jurisdiction, no authority to handle 
normal expungements. That's only in the circuit court. It's unclear from the Constitution whether that's true for these as well, and whether the municipal court ones can be done there or are going to have to be done in the circuit court. So when Sidney talks about the state Supreme Court stepping in to clarify processes, this is what you're talking about, it sounds like. These are among many, many of the processes that have to be clarified, yes. And, And in terms of petitioning, they need to prepare a petition There is a form that was developed by the public defender, and there's a form that was developed by the Office of State Courts. And in our view, the Office of State Courts form has some problems with it. Um, And we would recommend people using the public defender form and insisting that, um, that the court take that form since the Constitution mandates that the public defender prepare a form. Does someone need to hire a private attorney? If they can afford it, but a lot of people cannot afford an attorney, and those are the people who are calling us an Art City Defender in St. Louis and St. Louis University to try to find people who can handle it for them, but most there are very few pro bono expungement lawyers. I was going to say a, a private attorney would speed up the process for someone if they're really desperate to get this off a record? Potentially, but the court, so many of the courts are trying to do this using all their clerks and retired clerks. They're paying overtime for retired clerks. Wow, and, wow. And, um, and then the more uh, petitions they get from people, now if they're getting a petition from someone who's incarcerated, there are time deadlines there, and they would need to rule on it within the time periods. Mm-hmm. But... If they're not someone who is currently incarcerated, especially someone who's not on probation and parole, because probation and parole was supposed to happen right away, and they're supposed to get off probation or parole, Mm -hmm. I think they ought to go forward. The people who just, and, and I say just, you know, because compared to the others, it's just, but everybody wants it off their record. But the people who just want it off their record and are not going to get off of probation or parole or out of prison, if those people all start applying, then this automatic process that was supposed to happen but in many cases can't and requires going into records because they have to figure out how much marijuana is going to get slowed down. So it depends on you whether you look at it from a system standpoint or from the standpoint of the individual. There's that phrase again, it depends. You know, Sydney, uh, I'm getting the sense here that patience might be necessary for anyone who's trying to navigate this moment. Yes, absolutely. Um, although I think for people who are currently on probation and parole, Um, for a marijuana offense that they should have been released for uh, about two months ago and are still having to pay fees to the state for it, I don't don't mind if they're a little bit more impatient. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're under unconstitutional supervision right now. What's the most difficult part of this work as you you, you toil in these vineyards right now, Sydney? Um, Figuring out how the process should work. Hmm. Um, There are a lot of questions that come up, how state and federal law interplay together. That's a really interesting question. Like, will the federal government, the federal courts, how will they look at a state marijuana expungement? Will they fully honor it? Um, 
I think in a lot of cases they will, but in, for example, felon in possession cases where the underlying felony is a state marijuana conviction, uh, we're not so sure it will have any effect on that felon in possession charge. So some people will be left with a federal felon in possession charge and no underlying felony. You know, even in the 10 minutes we've been talking as a layman, it's become clear to me why you want the state Supreme Court to weigh in here. Has the court indicated in any way that something might be in the offing, that uh, cl- clearer guidelines might be coming down the road? Um, not that I'm aware of. Well, and, and I think the the Supreme Court has apparently told each circuit to ha- to come up with its own methodology mm. and to handle it. And this, in our view, needs to be centralized. And we are talking with other providers, um, pro bono providers and private providers of expungement um, about what can we do about that? Because if every clinic is dealing with clients from different parts of the state and there are different processes in place, that work only becomes yes. mind-blowingly more complex, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, is marijuana expungement, Sydney, just as difficult as getting any other charge expunged? Um, it should be easier. Yeah. It should be a lot easier. At the current moment, it feels uh, more difficult because uh, we're trying to figure everything out. But um, for other other expungement types, um, it's pretty difficult too. It's the the form that the courts have provided doesn't make it much easier either mm-hmm. um, because it doesn't let petitioners know about something very important to even get into court, which is service, service of process. Um, and we've we look at the dockets and see pro se petitioners just dismissed all the time for not doing service of process. And, it, and you know, a lot of people don't even know what that is or who they would need to serve. And so people will end up paying, you know, $300, $400 and getting absolutely nothing. You know, if people want to make an appointment at the Clear My Record Expungement Project uh, and clinic where you work, can they come in tomorrow or is it, are you backed up for weeks? Um. Uh, they should go to our website probably and fill out an intake form would be the quickest mm-hmm. way to get to us. Um, and then that's at www.clearmyrecordmo.org. And there is a clinic intake button and um, people can click that and fill out a an application. Ellen, just clinic. quickly, can people get into your clinic at UMKC? Well, we're, we're together. <laughs> You're together. Yep. Absolutely. Join at the hip here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, I appreciate you guys coming in and telling us what's going on. And it sounds like it's a load. Ellen Suni, Dean and Professor Emerita at the UMKC School of Law, Director of the UMKC School of Law Expungement Clinic. Sydney Ragsdale, a fellow at the Clear My Record Expungement Project and Clinic here in Kansas City at UMKC. Thank you both very much. Appreciate Thank it. You. Thanks for having us. Up to Date is produced by Zach Wilson, Reginald David, Elizabeth Ruiz, Zach Perez, and Hannah Cole. Our intern is Claudia Brancart. Our announcer and engineer is Paul Nakatura. Our theme music is composed and performed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.